I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I got a text message about the Jose Feliciano version of the National Anthem. And it reads, as a music educator, that rendition is completely different both in melody and harmonies. I'm not sure it counts as the National Anthem since it was altered so much. Uh, interesting point. And, and here's what it makes me want to do. It makes me want to go back to the original legislation from 1931 uh, that was debated, passed, and ultimately signed by the president, making the national anthem or making the Star Spangled Banner the national anthem of the United States. I wonder if it included uh, the music. I wonder if it included the the notes and the melodies, and I wonder how specific it got. Uh, so I'll tell you what, uh, music educator uh, who texted in, thank you so much. I'm going to look into that during one of the upcoming commercial breaks, and then if you want to meet me back here on the radio just after two o'clock, uh, I'm going to talk about this again, and we'll look and see if the law, if the law, which feels kind of funny to talk about the national anthem in terms of law, I w- we'll find out if the law is specific to the melodies and harmonies. Anyway, uh, that's for later on in the program. Right now, uh, we're talking universal background checks. Quick story. I, a number of years ago, was uh, on a, a kick. I, well, listen, I, I've made it no secret that I am, uh, uh, I'm a fan of firearms. I am a supporter of the Second Amendment, and I go target shooting and tinker, and I go out hunting. I, I do all that kind of stuff. I am uh, very much uh, a defender of the Second Amendment. And anyway, a number of years ago, I was on this kick where I wanted to uh, I wanted to purchase as many firearms as I could afford that carried with them uh, Utah stamps. Uh, firearms, uh, many of you know this, but uh, for those who don't, m- firearms for the most part uh, have like the, the the company that makes them stamped into a metallic portion of the firearm as well as the the, the headquarters of that company. And in Utah over the years, there have been and are still uh, a number of firearms companies. One of them, uh, I'm not sure what their status is right now. I think they ran into some financial trouble uh, early last year. But there was a company called Cobra Firearms. And uh, they had a a number of different uh, little firearms. Uh, One of them, one in their their line was uh, a 38 uh, Derringer. So one of those, uh, you know, little kind of two barrels, one on top of the other. And I wanted to get my hands on it. And I searched and searched, and I found that there was someone uh, who made their desire to sell theirs uh, uh, known online. And so I reached out, and we went back and forth, and ultimately we met up in a grocery store parking lot, and I handed over, uh, I think I paid $180, uh, I handed over $180, uh, and uh, in exchange, uh, I went off with my Cobra Firearms Derringer 38, uh, brand new in the box, and it's a firearm that remains in my collection today. Now you may notice something about that story I just told. Uh, there was no, there was no background check. There wasn't uh, an instance in our exchange where uh, you know we were reaching out to the FBI and asking this question or that question, uh, and that's because it uh, it's it's not law. There are those though at the local and national level right now, uh, both undertaking efforts to uh, to to make it a requirement for that circumstance and many others. Uh, 
to require background checks. Uh, one Utah representative, Representative Brian King, a gentleman who we've spoken to on this issue uh, a few times in the past, including last legislative session when he introduced a universal background check uh, piece of legislation uh, in during the general session of last year's uh, legislature. And he joins us uh, again now as he is undertaking uh, a similar effort. Representative King, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. Thank you, Lee. It's good to be with you. Likewise. Uh, listen, I, you know, you can probably pick up from the story I told and my my attitudes generally uh, that I am not not typically a supporter of uh, of efforts like yours to enact universal background checks. But I do believe that, especially in issues like this, that all sides must be heard. That uh, you know, I'm just one guy, and there are many folks listening that uh, you know deserve you know access to both sides uh, of this debate. And so, uh, you know, inviting you back. I just want to, you to kind of walk through this legislation, share why you think it's important, uh, and just kind of educate folks, get them up to speed on, on, on your side of things. Right, right. Well, I think most people would agree that there are some individuals in our society that based on their track record, based on their history of uh, behavior, uh, we shouldn't allow to own or purchase or possess guns. For example, individuals who have been convicted of violent crimes. Uh, or an example, uh, individuals who have uh, been convicted of domestic abuse, uh, certain felonies, uh, individuals who have been convicted of certain felonies or who pled guilty to certain felonies. It's very well established under federal and state law that individuals in those categories are not going to be in a position where they can own or purchase or possess firearms. And I think that makes sense. I think most people do. Uh, the Second Amendment right to possess Arms is not a as a jurist, and Antonin Scalia said as much in uh, District of Columbia versus Heller. And most people look at that and say, "That's right. Uh, we ought to make sure that there are is a, is a baseline for who uh, is in a position to enjoy that privilege, that constitutional privilege, and it is, of course, a constitutional privilege under the Second Amendment." I'm a gun owner myself, but I think that there are some uh, individuals who, by virtue of their behavior, shouldn't be gun owners. Uh, the federal government has a, a restricted list, a list of those individuals, and they keep it updated, and they, they, it's quite accurate. You have to uh, have a background check done to determine if you're on that list when you purchase a firearm from what is called an FFL, a Federal Firearms Licensee. Mm. Anyone who sells a certain number of guns beyond a, in a certain volume uh, is in that category. If you go down to Gallantson's or uh, Cabela's, and if you want to purchase a gun, you have to go through a background check because retail store owners that uh, are known to anyone in the community and sell any volume of guns that's significant, they have to be firearm, uh, federal firearm licensee, and they have to run those background checks. So uh, those kind of situations are easy to do. I, I the last time I purchased a gun, it was several years ago, and I went in and went to Gallantson's and purchased a gun. It took about five minutes to do the background check. I can't remember what they charged me, 10 bucks or something like that. But it was pretty no muss, no fuss. Sure. However, uh, it's very clear in, under Utah law that when you purchase a gun, uh, either at a gun show or at a uh, from a private purchaser, just like you outlined yourself, Lee, you don't have to go through that background check, check process. The bill that I have opened, the bill file that I have opened, and it ended up sticking in rules and not getting out of the rules committee this year. Last year, the same bill uh, ended up having a 
hearing before a committee and was voted down. But uh, the bill of file I've opened would expand. It wouldn't make background checks universal. Uh, there are some family transactions where you have a father uh, passing down a, a firearm to their son or daughter or a, a mother, uh, you know, passing it down to a sister or, you know, intra-family uh, uh, transfers are not subject to this. Uh, transfers of guns within law enforcement, you know, you have particular transfers of guns that take place as part of business or professional activities. Those aren't going to be subject to it. But it is an expansion. It would be an expansion of background checks for the simple purpose of making sure that guns don't get in the hands of the wrong people. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, listen, Representative King, I'm grateful to you for, for walking through this with us. Uh, and uh, listen, you and I should find more opportunities to chat. I uh, am always an admirer of your, uh, you know, even when we disagree, your straightforward delivery uh, of what you're up to. So thanks again for your time. Thank you, Lee. All right. Take care. You do the same. Uh, All righty. We're going to take a break right now. In a moment, we're going to return. And sticking on this same issue of universal background checks, there is another effort on the federal level to do exactly what Representative King uh, has been trying for a few years to accomplish here at the state level. There are some different circumstances, though, now at the federal level. And we are going to learn about the makeup of the United States Senate, I think, should this make it to a floor vote. We're going to find out uh, universal background checks. That's the topic around the corner next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. This is our shot. Let's take it. That's pretty clever. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Did you see the Dolly Parton video? It's real brief. There is a video of... Uh, The great Dolly Parton, she's uh, seated there. She's got her sleeve rolled up, about to receive the vaccine, and she uh, rewrote some of the lyrics to Jolene uh, to (laughs) include the word vaccine. I I forget exactly the words, uh, the lyrics that she rewrote, but it's something along the lines of vaccine, 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 vaccine. That might be the first time I've sung on (laughs) on this program in this past year. Well, like I told you earlier, I'm in some kind of mood. Her point, uh, Dolly Parton's point there in rewriting those lyrics is to encourage folks to uh, to get the vaccine, speaking to those most directly who you know feel some sort of hesitancy. And, and that's understandable, right? It's a brand new thing. It's a scary thing. Uh, but uh, I can tell you that uh, in addition to Dolly Parton's confidence, uh, I've placed my confidence in uh, the, the vaccine. And when it comes my turn, uh, when I find myself in... A uh, in an eligible category, uh, I I'll, I'll be I'll be there rolling up my sleeve, and I've uh, advised my family to do the same, and I think that they're going to be uh, getting a vaccine H- here in Utah. One last thing I'd mention on this is the the polling shows that at least here in Utah, that confidence has risen dramatically uh, in this vaccine. There in September, I believe, last time a poll of this. Uh, or I'm sorry, the first time a poll of this nature was administered, there was some 25%, a quarter, a quarter of all Utahns uh, were hesitant. Well, that number since has cut in half, and I imagine it only grows, eh, only leaving 12% of Utahns uh, hesitant or resistant to the vaccine. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to pest you. I'm not going to lecture or do anything like that. You know how I feel. And, uh, and now you know how Dolly Parton feels. Uh, anyway, all right, back to the topic at hand, universal background checks. One more quick story. I I sold a gun once. I sold a gun via a private sale. And if I'm honest, it was the only firearm I've ever sold. And I, I can't necessarily say I regret it. 
uh, because at the time I, I needed to I needed to sell something. I needed to get my hands on some cash because at the time I was, oh, what's the word? Underemployed, we'll call it, uh, between jobs. And I had to make rent. And as I looked around at my assets, uh, the, the one I had to unload was, uh, it was a, a Ruger Charger. That's a, a 22 caliber target pistol. And it, ha- it had a, a bipod on there and a fancy optic up on top. And the stock was this beautiful wood, uh, this beautiful bluish uh, wood. And the reason I, I liked that firearm so much, well, first off, it was, uh, you know, that simple 1022 design. It was wonderful to take out into the desert or to the range and do some uh, some plinking. And 22 ammo was, uh, number one, available and, number two, affordable back then. <laughs> and so I remember uh, many, many weekends uh, driving out into the desert, uh, firing off a few rounds uh, with that little target pistol of mine. Um, the, the reason, another reason I liked it so much was you folks, uh, who are frequent patrons of Cabela's will understand, you know, they have that room. It's the, they call it the gun library. And, uh, it, typically it's, uh, there are big bore rifles for like hunting, uh, elephants or other things you'd take on safari. And uh, then there's some historical firearms there. A lot of 1911s in there in my mind. Uh, and in my experience, the guns in there, uh, those are the high-priced special guns. And uh, the guns that I hope maybe to have in my own uh, Lonsbury firearm library someday. Well, I, want, I went in there one day and just on a whim thought I'd walk through the library, see if there's a little bit of history I could absorb. And I saw for sale this Ruger Charger, which isn't – it's Listen, if you've been there, you understand. And if you know this firearm, you'll understand. It didn't exactly belong in the gun library. It didn't belong with the safari rifles or the historic. It didn't belong uh, next to, you know, the lineup of M1 Garands in there. Uh, But it was in there nonetheless. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I would feel very prestigious. And I had a little bit of money in my pocket. I'd feel very prestigious if I purchased that. And so I bought it. And I felt, uh, you know, I I felt like I was standing six inches taller after having purchased a, a firearm from the gun library. Uh, anyway, the, the the point of this story is that uh, a few years later, after I purchased it, after I had had some fun with it in the in the desert and uh, and at the range, I was underemployed and uh, I was a little strapped for cash, wasn't able to make rent, and so I put an ad out there and I got a call uh, pretty much moments later saying, "Hey, son, uh, if you, if you're still looking to to sell that firearm, I'll meet up with you and uh, exchange you for some cash." And so there I was again. Uh, in a grocery store parking lot uh, selling a firearm. No background check involved. No background check involved. Uh, No law violated. Someday, I want to track down that firearm and buy it back. In fact, uh, if if you're listening out there, if you've got that that Ruger Charger, uh, you send a text message my way, 57500. We'll have a conversation. (laughs) <laughs> See if I can uh, uh, meet you up in another grocery store parking lot. Uh, anyway, the, the one firearm I let go from uh, those that I've purchased over the years. Uh, I'll get it back someday. Uh, anyway, universal background checks. We're all leading towards that. If, if, if universal background checks, either at the state level, as was described by Representative King before the break, or now at the federal level, as has been proposed by Democratic Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, who's reintroducing uh, legislation. In fact, just yesterday introduced uh, a bill, again, that would require universal background checks uh, on the sale uh, or transfer of all firearms. 
So there would be no uh, grocery store transactions and, uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to engage in private sales. They would all require uh, background checks. And, you know, you have different feelings about that. In fact, uh, after the newscast, I'm going to open up the phones. I want to hear from you. Uh, I'm going to ask your opinions on this. Are you uh, in favor or opposed to universal background checks, meaning that uh, background checks would be required for all firearm sales or transfers, even even the private ones between private citizens. Uh, anyway, I got about three minutes left here to uh, share some of my observations on why this year, <clears throat> this effort on the part of Chris Murphy, again, the Democratic senator from Connecticut, his introduction of this legislation this year called the Background Check Expansion Act uh, it is different in circumstance than has been the case in years past. Why? Well, that point that I make every opportunity I can that uh, that Congress is a numbers game. <clears throat> you know, they, they often, uh, you know, get up and give very beautiful and eloquent speeches, very impassioned speeches. But it it always comes down to the numbers. If you have the numbers on your side, uh, then you are going to rule the day. Right now in the United States Senate, as you well know, as we've covered today on the program, it's split 50-50. Tiebreaker coming down to Vice President Kamala Harris, president of the Senate. For Republicans to block this, they would need to, of course, uh, threaten a a, a filibuster. <clears throat> uh, it would require 60 votes to overcome that filibuster and their uh, it's a very low likelihood that Democrats would be able to uh, recruit uh, 10 Republicans to go along with that. And so is this an instance where uh, that uh, tool is utilized? In, in the past, this piece of legislation has never uh, enjoyed any Republican support. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there was one or two, but I certainly can't think of them. Will this year be uh, any different? How far will this go? We'll find out. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, uh, I want to go back to the I want to go back to the text line. Uh, I want to talk about uh, universal background checks, and I more than anything want to open the phone lines to you. I want to hear your views on universal background checks. You've heard two of my own personal experiences. Should those have involved background checks? Give me a call. 801-575-8255. 801 801- KSL Talk. The question to you is, universal background checks, good idea, bad idea, or should we look for something in between? That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. We're continuing our conversation regarding universal background checks and the various efforts at various levels of government to enact them. Uh, Representative Brian King was our guest earlier on the program. He, uh, a Democrat representing a portion of Utah, uh, for the past uh, at least two legislative sessions and maybe more. I forgive my poor memory, but for the past two legislative sessions, he has uh, introduced universal background checks uh, as uh, as state law. He's introduced legislation to bring that about. Uh, last year, there was a bit of progress, I believe. Uh, it saw time in the committee setting. This year, though, uh, that bill, once introduced, uh, instead of being debated, languished in uh, the Rules Committee. Now, I am, I, I've been very clear, I am not a supporter of universal background checks. And yet, 
I have each year that this comes up, uh, a conversation with Representative King. And I, I do so because it is important to, to understand and hear both sides. Right. I, I don't know that we are able to fully form uh, our own opinions and views on on really anything. You know, I, I try to apply uh, you know this to to all the decision making that I make and all the opinions that I form. You you, you need to certainly spend uh, time researching the the facts and the realities that surround the the issue about which you are going to take a position. And you must never, ever, ever plug your ears to the voice of the opposition. It can be frustrating, and you may not find it relevant, but to understand the the attitude and the rationale and to, you know, in a symbolic sense, put yourself in the shoes of those with whom you oppose, I think only strengthens our ability to form opinions and defend them. And it is for, for that reason that you'll find uh, on this program, and I hope in your own life, that uh, there will be ample opportunity for uh, both sides of many issues to, uh, to voice their positions. Anyway, uh, I'd like to open that up even further and uh, allow you an opportunity to weigh in. We're going to go to the text line in just a moment, but if you'd like to call in and continue this conversation of universal background checks with me, uh, share with me what, what you think. Good idea, bad idea, something that we should see enacted at the state level or even the federal level? Let me know. 801-575-8255. 801-KSL-TALK is uh, the number. Uh, right now, you heard I mentioned a moment ago that at the federal level, there is an effort on the part of Connecticut uh, Democratic Senator Chris Murphy to uh, reintroduce, you know, similar to Representative King, now reintroduce a background check expansion act, uh, and that would that would make some of those private sales that I described earlier, my, my own transactions, bought that little uh, 38 special Derringer made by that Cobra company. And, and I'll tell you what, Cobra, I mentioned Cobra, the, the firearms manufacturer. If anyone has any updates on that company, if anyone listening right now is familiar with that company and can give me any update on, on how they're doing, if they are doing at all, I understood that there were some financial uh, uh, challenges last year. Uh, but what, what's up lately? 57500. Sorry for that tangent, taking advantage of the radio program to scratch my own curious itches. Anyway, back to the federal legislation we're discussing. Background Check Expansion Act, uh, again, introduced by Senator Murphy. Here he is upon introduction of that legislation uh, during his first effort just two years ago. Background checks are popular because they work and because it's just common sense. Every single day, 90 people in this country die from a gunshot wound. 90 different families spiral into trauma every single day in this country. And every single one of those gun deaths is preventable. Every single one of them. I am, am not going to dispute uh, the the facts that he just delivered there, Senator Murphy, uh, and I am not going to minimize the the impact that those families referenced felt uh, because it is terrible and devastating stuff. Uh, what I will say, though, is that while his assertion uh, that background checks are popular, I won't dispute that even. There are there are many, many, in fact, most transactions uh, I understand uh, are are 
are ripe for a, a background check. I totally accept the the law that applies to uh, purchases made through a federal firearms licensee. Uh, I have uh, been subject to many, many of these sort of background checks. But where I would say, well, hold on a second, Senator Murphy. Those crimes that were committed uh, and uh, the lives that were ended with firearms, how many of those came as a result from a private transaction? The firearms that are bought and sold via private transactions, similar to the ones that I described uh, in my own experience, that twenty two uh, target pistol and that thirty eight caliber Derringer that I uh, purchased, transactions like that show no trend towards uh, illegality or crime. As the FBI reveals uh, its crime stats each year, you don't see uh, the trend of criminality emerging from those types of private transactions. And so it is a look forward instead of a look back. If you are hearing someone uh, argue for universal background checks, uh, essentially eliminating those private transactions with the absence of a background check. Uh, let's go to the phones here real quick. We have a few minutes. Chris calls from uh, Bountiful. Chris, welcome to the program. Uh, tell me what you think about this. Uh, universal background checks, thumbs up or thumbs down? I like uh, state power, uh, but uh, here, here's what I would like to see. I would like to see responsibility put on the gun owners. Uh, it seems so often when you have a school shooting or some sort of shooting, it's a gun that's been stolen from someone who improperly secured the weapon. Yeah. And I think they need to hold the owners of the guns responsible for improperly storing, you know, or allowing that to happen. Sure. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for the call. You, you bring up a good point that is uh, in large part borne out by the statistics. When you hear of these terrible, egregious crimes committed uh, with firearms, they uh, almost universally are either, well, first, purchased legally, background checks conducted, or secondarily stolen. Stolen uh, from uh, oftentimes family members. Mark calls from Brigham City. Uh, we'll let Mark have the last word, sir. Welcome to the program. What do you think? Universal background checks, thumbs up or uh, thumbs down? Uh, thumbs down, Lee, and thanks for taking my call. Uh, you had played a quote by the representative that there are 90 deaths you know, per day, which is tragic due to gun violence in, in the country. But you can't tie each of those 90 deaths to the lack of a background check. That's, it's You can't use that figure for that. I did gun shows and big gun shows as a private individual for decades with my father and brother. Sold privately, has to be within the state of Utah. I have to have ID and CID. Um, it's perfectly fine. The government has no business knowing what I buy or sell if I do it within the existing laws that we already have. Sure. Background checks are just a feel-good measure to try to stop something that is tragic in our society. And, and that's just not going to work. It's yeah. not going to be background checks. I agree with the last caller. I am personally responsible with my firearms, ammo, guns stored separately in a locked facility. So, you know, beyond that, I'm not sure what more I can do. 
Mark, thank you so much for your call. I am honored that you'd listen and call in and participate in this conversation here. Uh, we're going to have to leave it at that. Time is tight now. I've got to go to a break. But if you have lingering thoughts or comments you'd like to make, please, 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, there are some wonderful comments here coming in. I'll try to find some time later in the program to share these with you. But uh, honestly, both sides presenting very uh, well thought out uh ideas and positions. I'm grateful to Chris and Mark for calling in. We're going to take a a break right now. And when we return, we're going to be speaking with the director of demographic research from the Kempsey Gardner Institute, looking at a new figure which indicates that the coronavirus, specifically the time spent in quote unquote lockdown, didn't result in a baby boom, but rather a baby bust. 7% lower birth rate in the wake of this coronavirus. We'll get the details next and the ramifications ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.